Take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Last week I spoke on the attitudes of giving. You see, I asked this question. Certainly God would like us to give. It's a commandment that we give. But I wonder if there are certain ways which we can give that do not please God. I believe you can find in the Bible many people whose offering was displeasing to God. You can recall maybe Cain's offering was displeasing to the Lord. And so this, this week, we talked about faith giving last week, uh, as opposed to uh, this idea of formulated giving, where we figure what we're able to give instead of giving in faith, trusting that God will provide. This week, we're going to talk about the difference between cheerful giving and covetous giving. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, and preacher almost started preaching this passage this morning. I'm really glad the clock cut him short, honestly, uh, because if he had got, kept going, I'd have had to find another sermon. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 5, the Bible says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren, that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Please help me tonight, Lord, I ask, to preach Your Word with boldness. Lord, to preach Your Word in truth. May Your Holy Spirit guide me as we go throughout the sermon tonight, I ask. In Jesus' wonderful and precious name I pray, Amen. Amen. Now, as Christians, we have to be constantly on the battlefront against enemies of Christianity. You say, what do you mean, Brother Andrew? Well, see, the, the Christian life really is black and white, is it not? It's, it, there's not really much gray area. You're either a child of God or you're an enemy of God under His wrath. But, but there's also certain things that we as Christians have to be on the lookout for that there are certain things that we might be involved with that are complete opposites that do not please God. For instance, hatred is the exact opposite of love. And a Christian is called to love. The Bible even says we are to love our enemies. We're to pray for them and, and pray for those that despitefully use us. And so hate is the opposite of love, and we have to be aware of that. Judgment is the opposite of mercy. And I believe if independent Baptists have gone wrong over the years on one area, and I'll tell you, I'm an independent Baptist, fundamental through and through. I'm not ashamed of it. You, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not scared of it either, like some of my classmates. I love being an independent fundamental Baptist because that's what I believe the Bible teaches us to be. But if we've ever gone wrong... It is in our willingness to judge instead of extend mercy. Our Lord's ministry 
was about and centered upon love and mercy. It did not hinge upon judgment. In fact, those that were casting judgment were those that our Lord was the harshest critic of. Hatred is the exact opposite of love. Judgment is the exact opposite of mercy. We ought to be merciful towards our brethren when they fall. We ought to be there to lift them up and help them up. It's frankly one of the best lies of the devil is when he tells us, oh, everybody's going to look at you as if you're not worthy. And I hope that everybody knows that the Christian brethren are there to help you, lift you up, carry you through your deepest, darkest times. Love is the opposite of hate. Mercy is the opposite of judgment. And tonight we're going to look at covetousness is the exact opposite of being able to cheerfully give to our God. You see, I want to look first of all at the cause of covetousness in our life. The Bible tells us that no man can serve two masters. You know what that necessitates? That the Bible is saying when you do or when you are covetous and when you are uh, when your main priority is looking for gain and what you can get the Bible tells us that it has become your master. And you are servant to it. So many Christians' main priority in this life is not serving Jesus to the fullest of their ability, but unfortunately it is finding the next promotion, getting the next car, finding the next house. It is a shame how materialistic the church has become. We are covetous. And one of the causes of that is when our main priority and our focus is lost off Jesus and it's placed on things that just frankly do not matter. Now, I've told you all this before. Many of you know that I kind of like to hunt a little bit. And I'll tell you this. uh, Some people may say, well, you're a hunter. You obviously don't love animals. I hit a rabbit this week and you asked Brother Sean if I did not almost cry. You say... What a girly man. Well, yes, but I love nature. I love nature so much that I just discovered two weeks ago that you can get on YouTube live and watch deer eat in front of a camera. From my living room I'm hunting, and I have no weapon. You say, you're a weirdo. Yeah, that's, well, that was settled a long time ago, okay? That's not up for debate tonight. But I, I love nature. I love hunting, and... And, and I love the creatures that I pursue. And so while I'm driving, when we come to an area that m- looks to me to be a gamey area, I start looking in the woods. Now, what are you supposed to be looking at when you drive? I start looking in the woods. And I have found that whichever direction I am looking at, looking for these elusive creatures so that they do not harm my beautiful ram pickup truck. I'm watching these woods and I found that I start to drift toward the direction I'm looking. And my wife asks to drive because she gets motion sickness very easily. But the same is true with Christianity. When we take our eyes off of the author and finisher of our faith, we start to drift away from Him and toward the things that really don't matter. And when it comes to this idea of what is the reason for covetousness, what we've done is we've taken our priorities off of the thing that matters for eternity 
and place them on the things that will rot away and uh, uh, thieves can break through and steal, we have lost our focus, the cause of covetousness. Secondly, the curse of covetousness. You know what the curse of covetousness is? It is this. There's never enough. John D. Rockefeller was asked, how much money is enough? Obviously a wealthy man. He said, one more dollar. People that want, they are constantly wanting. It is an insatiable appetite. It is a fire that cannot be quenched. And they're constantly wanting it and wanting it and wanting more and wanting more. And the curse is this, that you say, I'll have enough tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. The curse is you're never satisfied. And so you cannot cheerfully give to God because you're always wanting more to give. The cause of covetousness, the curse of covetousness, and the cure of covetousness. What is the cure? Well, it's this. Finding cheer. Finding joy in the things that you already have. Now, the other night I mentioned that Joshua Christian Academy had a tremendous basketball game. And boy, I'm telling you, it was a humdinger, if you know what that means. If you don't, it was a really good one. So, uh, uh, but it was a great basketball game. Unfortunately, our guys came up a little bit short. Uh, but I'm telling you, in a high school game, most games don't go to 70 points. Went on to overtime, and, and you know, you can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. I blame it on the coach. So, uh, John, uh, it's your fault. Uh, but... I, I was excited, man. The crowd was into it. We were, che- we were shouting. We were cheering. People were banging on the lockers. Okay, I was banging on the lockers. Nobody else was. I was into it, man. This was a great basketball game. Unfortunately, they ended up losing. I have happened to coach Joshua Christian Academy before, and uh, I remember there were times when we had good games and close games that we came up on the short end of the stick. And I also remember there were some games where the stick was much longer and we did not come close at all. My wife was the cheer coach for a little while. And I'll tell you the most irritating thing that has ever happened to me at Joshua Christian Academy is getting beat by 40 points. And immediately after the buzzer sounds, our cheerleaders singing this, We are proud of you. Say, we are proud of you. We are proud of you. Say, we are proud of you. Well, you're the only ones in the building. As the coach, I want to go over there and wring their necks because I say, don't tell them you're proud of them. I got to go to practice with them tomorrow and work for three hours on what not to do. We are proud of you. I am telling you. And honestly, I think the cheerleaders are doing it and having to lie. Because I've noticed they're all at the altar on Sunday morning. You lose by 40 points, nobody's proud of you. Everybody's disappointed. I mean, we're proud of you for participation, but we ain't in it for participation. We're in this thing to win. And so the cheerleaders have to force themselves to say something just to maybe... Make it work. And I'm afraid that's the same idea that many of us have towards giving. We do it because it's an obligation. 
We force ourselves because we know we're commanded to and we believe that the curse of God would be placed on us if we don't do it. But we do it in the wrong spirit because we do it from a place of covetousness. We want more and we give so little. The cure for covetousness is finding joy. How do you do that? I want to share it with you tonight. Number one, Find joy in the fact that you're obeying God. If God says to do it, it ought to be the Christian's greatest privilege in the world to do it. The Bible tells us that if we will obey, we will taste of the goodness of the land. The Bible tells us that when a Christian is right with God, everything in his spirit screams that he can be happy because he is right with his God, with his Creator. We find joy in the fact that when God says to give, we honor His sacrifice, we honor His presence in our life, we honor His provision for us. We say, God, I'm so thankful I can do this because you've asked me to do it. That's why we ought to be joyful when we give. Because God's asked us to. And it is our joy to obey Him. Romans 8.28 says, "For For we know All things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. You see, that is a beautiful verse, but the verse necessitates that we are right with God because we know all things are working out for our good. Oh, the chastising hand of our God is not against us because we are in God's will and we were doing what God wants us to do. And when we love God and obey God, all things will work together for good. That's a beautiful promise. And so when you go to put your tithe check in or when you go to put your offering in, or as we've said many times, stewardship is not simply about money. When you give of your time, when you come up to work at the church, when you come up to a soul win or you come up to do something for your God, clean out a bus, take out the trash, clean a toilet, which... It's gross sometimes. But when you do those things, you know that you're obeying God when you serve Him. Oh, you can find great joy in that. Well, I didn't always enjoy obeying Dad, but the one satisfaction I got out of obeying Dad was knowing Dad wasn't going to get me. You see, Dad had different belts for different punishments. He said, Andrew, you go to the closet and you get the belt. Well, guess what? I, 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 bought, I got the dress belt. You know, the one that's thin, like the Jacques Pinet belt. That's French for J.C. Penney, in case you were wondering. I went and got the thin belt, but there were certain occasions where my, the infraction that I had caused uh, necessitated a larger belt, and Dad went and got the cowboy belt. You know, it had spikes on it, shards of glass. That belt... But see, when I obeyed my father, the one thing that I knew was I was okay with my father. My father was pleased with my obedience. And when you give to God in whatever manner it may be, you can be joyful in this simple fact that you are pleasing God by your obedience. Oh man, the battle against covetousness is hard, but you can combat it by finding joy in your obedience. Secondly, Finding joy in the potential. All of you, all of you are shocked because the point is not alliterated. 
you're like, we were expecting an O point, and you came out with a P point. You see? I love it. You can find joy in the potential. You say, what do you mean, Brother Andrew? I mean this. When you give to God in whatever fashion it may be, you never know how God's going to use that. I've got a question for you. Who bought this track? Was it you? See, the fact is, you don't know. But God is a really good record keeper. And if just so happens, this track finds its way in front of someone who is lost and undone before God. You say, Brother Andrew, I don't give very much money. I think these tracks cost us about four cents to print. Say, Brother Andrew, I, I can't really give that much in offerings. It's really tight. I try obeying God. But you see, if this track just so happens to be used to explain to someone that they have sinned and that there's a punishment for that sin, but that God sent His Son to pay for that punishment, Amen. and that by believing on Him, they can be saved from that punishment, and they pray that prayer. Wouldn't that be amazing if it was your four cents that bought this track? Well, when we give so many times, it's so short-sighted, is it not? Well, we just, we just think, well, this is going to go to a utility bill. Okay, so be it. But what if somebody's able to be cool while they hear the gospel preached? You say, oh, this is just probably going to go to some diesel to be put and burn into a bus. Great, but what if some bus kid comes and hears for the first time in their life and understands that Jesus died for them and they walk the aisle and they accept him. We have a man here tonight serving God on a week, weekly basis, saved at four years old. You don't tell me kids can't understand. What if it's your money? What if it's your sacrifice? But oftentimes we give just only focused on the money. Only focused on the immediate effects of our bank account and have no long-term vision of what God may do with that, with that offering. Oh, we can be joyful knowing that we are obeying God. We can find joy in the fact that when it's in God's hands, great things take place in the miracle-working hands of my God. Thirdly, and we're done... You can find joy in the blessings that will follow. I'm not here tonight to preach to you a wealth, welfare, prosperity gospel. But there are too many verses in the Bible that promise when we honor God, He will bless us. And I don't, I don't understand it all, I'll be honest. I don't understand. Uh, maybe you give some and maybe God blesses you some financially. Maybe He blesses you in other ways. I don't understand all of it. I don't understand the, uh, the, the, the exchange rate of God. But I know this, it's a high one. Malachi chapter 3, God says, you try me. Prove me. And if you will bring your tithe to the storehouse, you prove me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even be able to handle it all. 
I'm not here saying that your life's going to go easy if you honor God with your tithe and with offerings. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when God's on your side in those difficult times and you're right with him when it comes to giving and stewardship, when all of that's great, you can handle the dark times knowing God's walking right there beside you. Oh, God will bless you. There's too many verses 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, The living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's the God that gives. 2016, one of the most incredible things happened. Um, January last year, the Powerball reached its largest amount. $1.6 billion. Let's be honest, who played? No, 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 please don't, please don't. I'll tell you this, I played. <laughs> the preacher's like, oh no. <laughs> Maybe not in the way that people traditionally pay, play. They go down to the store and they buy a lotto ticket. I played in the fact that I was hoping one would blow over my shoe one day and I'd pick it up and find it. <laughs> and you say you're crazy. You know what's even crazier is my odds were only slightly worse than those of people that bought tickets. <laughs> You say, you're crazy, Brother Andrew. Well, I, I got to thinking, what would I do with that kind of money? And you know, I, I, I like to think financially. I try figuring out, okay, I can put it here. I asked my wife what she would do with the money. And she was like, well, I, I, I'd pay off all my parents' debt. And I'm like, okay. I'd, I'd maybe buy my house down here. Okay. And I would do this and that. And she had just a few things. And I said, okay, you've got $1.58 billion left to go. <laughs> Can you even imagine that amount of money? I got to thinking, I, I, I thought this thought, if I had that much money, I'd never have to worry about money again. And immediately I got convicted. Why am I worrying about money to begin with? I mean, I'm no lottery winner. But I know the God who has at His possession and at momentary call the one who can summon all of it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, y'all seen the price of cattle lately? That's a lot of money. And I heard an old preacher say, he owns the hills underneath them there cattle. Why are we as Christians so worried about it? God has too many times over and over and over again promised us that we will be faithful in the little, he will bless us with much. He that is faithful in just a little, he will give much more. So why are we worried? You know why we're worried? Because we all struggle with a little thing called covetousness. And it is the enemy of being able to truthfully and cheerfully give to our God. 